A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi everyone, I'm David Garrido. Welcome along to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Reddit Stakhanov and broadcasts on Sirius XMFC 157 in North America. We're recapping match day 31 in Spain's top division. We're once again in our chat format. We'll do it all well inside half an hour for you. We start off with the big game at the camp now. First versus second. Barcelona versus Atletico. A game to keep the title race just about alive or end it early. It turned out it might well be the latter. It was an entertaining game. Barcelona won it 2-0. Atletico had to play for more than an hour though with 10 men. Diego Costa sent off for inside the referee. Athletic keeper Jan Oblak was brilliant. He denied Philippe Coutinho, Luis Suarez, Lionel Messi and Malcolm but he would eventually be beaten in the last five minutes. Suarez's curling effort from 20 yards out and Messi with a deft finish from in amongst a crowd of players. And it means uh, the Barca take another step on their stroll towards the title. 11 points clear with seven games to go. Roman Derquer is our man in Barcelona for La Liga lowdown. Um, hi there Roman. Let's actually start with Atleti. Was the 2-0 scoreline fair or, or was it harsh on them after their battling performance? Hi, David. Well, I think it was a, a fair result in the end. I mean, it's true that the first 25, 30 minutes before Diego Costa got sent off was a very entertaining game. Anything could really have happened there. But after that, I mean, it was just Barcelona all over. And Jan Oblak, of course, with a great performance. And Diego Costa's red card for descent was Atleti's seventh in 11 meetings with Barcelona. Uh, it forced Diego Simeone's hand a bit. But what did you actually make of his substitutions when the game was still goalless? Well, I mean, Simeone knew he needed the three points. I mean, a draw was just not enough. There's just few games left. He wanted a win. He wanted to try his best to at least, you know, get a chance at La Liga. And he went all in. He took out Arias. He took out Felipe Luis. He went for more offensive players like Correa Morata. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't enough, especially after playing with 10 men, because that's just so difficult. It, it did need something special uh, to beat Jan Oblak. Uh, what did you make of his performance, Roman? Well, I mean, Jan Oblak, we all know, is one of the best goalkeepers in the world. He's proved it constantly in important games. And once again against Barca, he was great. His reflexes are amazing. And he's so good covering space in one-on-ones against uh, attackers. So we all know he's just one of those amazing goalkeepers. Uh, we can't not mention Lionel Messi. Uh, uh, he will win his 10th La Liga title this season, all being well. 33 goals in 29 league games now. Um, what did you think about him? Was there an outstanding quality to his game this time around? Well, I think his dribbling was on point. He was just moving across the edge of the box and trying just to curl it in as he usually does. But unfortunately, this time, those shots weren't as good. But still, he was really good in the game. He was very important and he scored that 2-0 goal, which gave the calmness to the Camp Nou. And talking of playmakers, what about Antoine Griezmann? I mean, he had a couple of shots on target, but really not much else. Uh, Do you think he was affected by the whistles of the Camp Nou whenever he touched the ball? 
Well, we have to look at the stats because Griezmann has played 13 games at the Camp Nou and he's managed no wins and he's managed no goals. So, I mean, with those stats, I mean, you can't really expect much more of him. And Barca wanted to sign him because he's supposed to be one of the best players in the world. But of course, uh, if you're incapable of scoring in really important games, are you really worth that money? Mm, yeah, good point. Um, now, Barcelona back in 2015-16 had a double-digit lead and they almost let it go. But you would imagine they've learned their lessons from that. Uh, the title race is over, isn't it? 11 points clear, seven games to go. I want to think so, to be honest. I mean, it's uh, seven games are 21 points, but still, I mean, you have to lose quite a few of those. But I think it's not going to be a problem and Valverde knows how to control the situation. So, of course, it's all about the triplete and that involves the Champions League. So how do you think the Barca will approach their quarterfinal first? They go away to Manchester United at Old Trafford, which I'm sure you know is a venue they've never won at. Well, I mean, Manchester aren't having their best season. They're considering lots of goals at home. And I think we're going to see another of those best versions of Barca we've been uh, enjoying against Atletico de Madrid, for example, because Valverde is not going to rotate too much. He's going to go with his best players and a draw would be good enough to try and decide at home at the Camp Nou. Well, actually, just to remind you that Barcelona against Atletico was our chosen game in Partiaso predictions. Uh, Paco and Roman uh, got the result, the outcome right, if not the actual scoreline, uh, which means they add a point to their tallies. Overall standings looks like this. Uh, Paco Polit has 28 points. Roman, you have 16, which means you're outright second. You and McTier and myself stay on 15. Alex Johnson has 11 points. Uh, now, what we've got you with us, Roman, another big game in your part of the world. Uh, the Catalan derby finished Girona 1, Espanyol 2. Uh, Girona dominated a feisty first half, but... Sergi Darder teed up a volley for himself, which he whipped home on the hour for the opener. Uh, Cristian Stuani got his 18th league goal from the penalty spot to equalise after Roberto Rosales was penalised for handball, only for Darder to let fly. And uh, his shot hit the post, rebounded off Bonner and back into the net on 88 minutes. So a bit of a, a fortuitous winner. Uh, let's talk about Darder. He was clearly a big influence in this game and he only seems to, to score spectacular goals. Uh, what was the difference between Espanyol in the first half and the second half then? Well, it's interesting because uh, both teams were in a peculiar situation because Girona hadn't won at home since October and Espanyol hadn't um, won away since October. So anything could really happen. But I think Ruby knew that he had to make sure he went through the first half with conceding no goals, especially because Girona were the better team in the first half. But Espanyol were really solid at the back, so that was really good. And then he managed to motivate his players in that second half to just try and snatch that win. They knew that Girona was struggling and is struggling a lot at home so with those two Darder goals they managed those really really important three points much needed away win for Espanol are they safe now? I think we could say they're safe eight points clear should be enough for them while the other teams are fighting between them for relegation and the next three games for Girona look interesting don't they? Villarreal at home Celta and Real Valladolid away how do you assess that little cluster of games? Well, I've always said Girona were going to make it and stay in Primera, but now it's kind of worrying because their performances at home are just not good enough. They need wins at home. There's going to be three out of seven games in Montilivi, and even though they're good away, they should get points at home if they don't want to go down to Segunda. Cheers for that, Roman. Well, our next port of call is the Spanish capital.
Let's focus now on Real Madrid, who bounced back from their midweek defeat at Valencia to beat a 2-1, but they had to come from behind to do so. Uh, Marc Cardona was a late inclusion in the team after an injury in the warm-up to Pedro León, and he gave Eibar the lead at the Bernabeu. They deservedly held on until half-time. Madrid, though, a different animal after the break game. Benzema scored two headers from Marco Asensio and Tony Kroos crosses, but he could and should have sealed his hat-trick after that. 2-1 it finished. Um, Ewan McTier is our man in Madrid. Hi there, Ewan. Um, the word that I've heard describe this performance uh, from Madrid in the first half is desenchufado, so not plugged in. How do you explain how Madrid struggled to get going and how poor they were before the break? Yeah, I think it's you're right. They're not they're not plugged in, but there's also not much reason for them to be plugged in. There's nothing to play for. As Dan's talked about that, and there were just fifty thousand fans to play in front of. And with the Valencia loss, I mean that leaves them with even less to play for. So coming just a few days after that, it's kind of understandable maybe that they didn't get really up for this one. Uh, Karim Benzema was the key to the turnaround, but arguably, I mean, his chances for a hat-trick were easier than the goals that he actually scored. Yeah, exactly. This was peak Benzema, the good, the bad and ugly. He had six shots, two goals, one off the post, an offside goal, a fired over, an open goal. Uh, He was very involved, you can certainly say that, but um, yeah, he'll be a bit disappointed, I think, not to have got that hat-trick when he scored two really good goals and then, as you say, missed maybe the easier ones. Now, there were more whistles for Gareth Bale. I mean, he was he was pretty ineffective, wasn't he, in his 77 minutes on the pitch? But, I mean, I remember we talked about this before, you and, and you seem pretty sort of upbeat about his future at the Bernabeu under Zinedine Zidane. How do you see his future now, and, and how much can he be blamed for the situation that he's in? Well, I still think it's going to be hard for him to move on because, by all accounts, he wants to stay at Real Madrid. And if he wants to stay and doesn't want to move, then it's going to be quite hard to move a player like that on, especially with the the money we're talking about for a player of his stature. But, you know, he can be blamed to some extent for the situation. But it's also true that expectations were, were maybe unrealistically high for him. He was supposed to replace Cristiano Ronaldo, but that wasn't really a role that he called for. So I think the relationship with the fans is maybe unmendable, especially as he scores so few of his goals at home, just four at home this season. But yeah, uh, maybe he'll be there next season and score in a final or two. And in these last seven games of the season, are there any players who are, who are playing for their future? And actually, how do you assess their running compared to Atleti's? I think there's a lot of players playing for their future. There was a piece in Marca last week and they said that there were as many as 13 players who could potentially be on the way out in the summer. And many of them are already set to leave, either on loan or things like that. And some of them are going to be having an audition for the final two months to see if they can keep their place for next year. In terms of the run-ins, I mean, Atleti have Sevilla, Valencia and an informed Celta Vigo. But all those matches are at home for them. Real Madrid have tricky away games like Leganes, Atafi and Real Sociedad. So the fact that Real Madrid's hardest fixtures are away could be the difference. Uh, well, let's have a quick word on Abar uh, before we leave this game. Uh, still winless in 12 away from home and three of their next four are in fact on the road as well. Uh, how do they solve this, Ewan? I don't really think they do, but maybe they don't need to. I mean, for Ibar, they're they're comfortable in mid-table, which is well above uh, expectations at the start of the season. And, I mean, the away form is very poor, but uh, when you compare it to their home form, maybe it's that their home form is the outlier and the home form uh, makes them so good. It's not easy to go up there and play at Iparua. So maybe the version of Ibar we see on the road is closer to the real version of Ibar and they have a massive home advantage rather than it being a massive away disadvantage. Okay, uh, let's go on to Hedafe versus Athletic Club briefly. Uh, that finished 1 0 to the host, a goal from substitute Angel Rodriguez to give Jose Bordalas' side all three points and keep them in fourth place. Now, you and all the talk all season has been mainly about Jaime Mata and also Jorge Molina, but we shouldn't forget about Angel Chubby because he also scored the equaliser at uh, Espanyol in midweek. So, what do you like about him as a player? 
I really love how, how versatile he can be. I mean, he's the, the third of these three centre-forwards and he was talking after the game about how it's a privilege for him to play with these two guys. But what it means is that they're always going to be put ahead of him, not just in the starting lineup, but also in terms of their position. So he's the guy that's often asked to fill in, uh, play as a second striker if he has to, play right up front if he has to. He's even had to play in the wings at some points. Um, so he's a guy that will just fill in wherever he's told and he always does a good job. Uh, it seemed like Athletic didn't really want this as badly. It, it wasn't a brilliant game, to be honest. Um, but how much does that have to do with um, them being without Iker Muniain, who was suspended? Yeah, I think it does have a lot to do with that. Muniain's been incredible since he's he's come back into the team, uh, especially under Gary Tano. So yeah, it was a strange one from Athletic. Um, not just that they lost. I mean, many teams have lost at Taffy this season. But yeah, as you mentioned, the sort of uh, not lack of effort, but lack of uh, desire that we've seen in some of the recent games they played at San Mames. Yeah, maybe they just didn't seem up for this one. And, and where do you think these two teams are going to be come the end of the season, Ewan? I think Atafi will be in the Champions League. I really think they're going to hold on and do it. Athletic Club, I think they'll just miss out on Europa League qualification. That's poor start to the season uh, is going to come back to bite them. But uh, if you'd offered them you know, mid-table finish a few months ago, they'd have bitten your hand off for it. Thanks, Ewan. Well, that's it for part one of this podcast. And in part two, our main focus is the relegation battle, which is hotting up. See you shortly. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome back to this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod with Register Carnival and broadcast on Sirius XM FC 157 in North America. Four games down, six more to recap on match day 31 in La Liga. And next, we are focusing on two Valencia-based teams. And perhaps one of the surprising results came at Vallecas as Valencia lost 2-0 away to Rayo Vallecano. Raul de Tomas tapped in the opener after Dani Parejo had missed his first penalty in 11. And despite further chances for the visitors, Alberto Garcia kept Valencia out. And then in stoppage time, ex-Valencia player Mario Suarez is headed in from a corner 
to seal a valuable three points for Rayo. Paco Wallit has watched Valencia regularly this season, so let's chat to him about this game. Um, hi there, Paco. Well, this was a below-par performance from Marcelino that He said he only recognised one or two of his players, so how come? Well, because it's the truth. Valencia were a shadow of their former selves. Easily half the team that beat Real Madrid only three days earlier. Marcelino praised Condogbia, yeah, but really overall Valencia were awful, especially in the second half. You mentioned Condogbia. Well, he had to leave the pitch on crutches and he's since undergone surgery. He could well be out for the rest of the season. How much of a blow is that, Paco? A huge blow for the team because Condobia was slowly coming back to his best form, the player we saw last year, also because Francis Coughlin isn't recovered yet from his injury, and because Danny Parejo, as good as a season he's having, needs that partner in the midfield who can have his back against the opposition. So big, big problem for Marcelino and his staff. Well, we turn our attention now to the Europa League. Uh, Valencia have two legs against Villarreal starting away this Thursday. How important is this competition to them now? Well, I believe Marcelino rotated heavily against Rayo so he could have some fresher players next Thursday, but it didn't work out. Uh, Europa League is a huge competition for Valencia because they can actually score a ticket for next season's Champions League by winning the competition. And that involves knocking out a Villarreal who are in danger, also winning against Arsenal or Napoli the semi-final, and then winning the final. Which seems actually easier than catching up on those four points that Getafe have over them in La Liga. Now, what about Rayo? One win, one draw, one defeat for them under Paco Hemis this time around. What, what sort of changes have you seen since his return, Paco? Uh, not really that much, because Rayo attacked more than when under Mitchell, but that was obviously expected because it's Paco Hemis. So I think individual players are the ones who have gone the extra mile. Think, for example, Raul de Tomas, who has already scored 13 this season. He's on fire and the team sure is thankful for that. Now, how do you rate Rayo's chances of staying up, especially because they play four of the other teams in the bottom six? Those games are going to be very balanced. Uh, I don't really think Rayo will have chances if they don't actually win the next two and see themselves out of relegation spots at least once before the season ends. Because the psychological game here needs to be played at some point. And yes, they are very close to salvation, but also any slip would mean they are out of the race. Well, two other strugglers played each other at the Estadio Ciudad de Valencia. Levante winless in six, Westcout with one win in seven before kickoff. It finished 2-2, which really helps neither team, to be honest. Levante took the lead through Roger Martí, and then the match twisted and turned within seven second half minutes. Enrique Gallego equalised just after the hour, 1-1. But parity didn't last long, as Huesca conceded a penalty, which José Luis Morales put away, only for Chimi Avila to score again, 2-2 in a breathless game. And back on the, the second 45 was a bit mad, uh, but one player stood out for Juan Piañor, who came on on 58 minutes and within another 11 minutes, he played a key part in both of Huesca's goals. So talk to us about Juan Pi and why he's so key. Because he's one of the few Huesca players who actually has the quality to deliver that final pass, that final assist in a team which is severely lacking quality on the creation area. Uh, he has been a very worthy addition. Uh, since the winter transfer market and has slowly making an impact overall, keeping Huesca very much alive in the relegation fight. Well, one thing they've got is fight and spirit, isn't it? Because they fought against Real Madrid, they fought against Celta Vigo. They're six points off safety with seven games to go. Can they still save themselves? 
Obviously, it's super difficult, but again, there are many teams involved in the relegation battle, and most of them make mistakes on a weekly basis. If Huesca can string two wins, only two, they would surely frighten more than one or two sides. It will be almost impossible, but mad props for Huesca for trying that hard. And Levante, well, their boss, Paco Lopez, said that it felt like two points dropped. Is there a psychological issue developing here? Because remember that Eibar did the same thing as Ciudad de Valencia last weekend. Levante are in shambles, period. In my view, worst team in La Liga right now, next to Valladolid. It's 12 points out of 51. Awful stat to follow some awful performances. So... The second half against Huesca showed that this team is super confident when attacking, but an absolute mess when defending specially set pieces. And of course, alarm bells will be ringing for Levante. The next game, away to City rivals Valencia. How do you see that one? Well, the Derby Valenciano will come... Obviously, at a very inconvenient time for both teams, Valencia need the points to still keep themselves in the race for the fourth place. But Levante need the win if they expect to avoid relegation. Lots of desperation, lots of nervousness, lots and lots of excitement ahead, because even a draw would be pretty bad for both teams. Cheers, Paco. Well, time to check in on another relegation-threatened team as we head to Galicia. Well, Celta Vigo once again gave us great value and entertainment on Sunday. They came from behind to beat Real Sociedad 3-1. William José and Diego Aspas traded penalties either side of half-time, but then the Brazilian got himself sent off and Aspas headed home a second goal at the far post after a superb cross from Hugo Mayo. Celta put the seal on the victory through Maxi Gomez in stoppage time again. Aspas and also Riyad Budabuj involved in the build-up. Alex Johnson was at that game at Balaido, so let's speak to her now. Hi there, Alex. So uh, we could discuss Magic Man, Diego Aspas. Let's actually mention a couple of other guys, though. Uh, Budabuj came on 65 minutes had an impact so are we seeing the best of him now and also what about Ruben Blanco he wasn't an automatic starter in goal earlier this season well you said to, to mention others than Aspas but to do that I kind of need to mention Aspas because that was one of the many things that he's done since coming back is to spark several of the other players and one of them who's definitely showed that is, is Budabus as you mentioned is both midweek and, and tonight came off from the bench and had a direct impact on, on what was happening another one who's a little bit of a different case I would say is, is Ruben Blanco who definitely deserves a mention um, and one thing that was quite interesting was that Fran Escriba was asked about uh, Ruben in the press conference and he highlighted Sergio Alvarez who is the man who he stole the spot from saying that Sergio Alvarez is one of the main reasons to why Ruben has been so good because he's helping him in practice and been the key in his development and I also happen to know that Sergio wants to be a coach and, and actually helps out with the youth teams at Celta quite often so that's a quite interesting view to the entire situation hmm. uh, Let's talk about the conditions for this game. Um, monsoon like rain, um, it felt like it just added to the crowd and the atmosphere. I hope you've dried out, Alex. Um, what was it like at Valeidos? <laughs> Uh, it was one of those days when you look out the window and you really, really don't want to go outside. But the Celta fans really did that. Two hours before the match, in the rain, they were there welcoming the bus in the similar way that they did last weekend when it was sunny and, and great. And the atmosphere in the stadium was just brilliant. And it's been the key in these two comebacks. And I think one special example, just to give you a little bit of view how it was, was when Iago Aspas uh, got that penalty because it took more than one minute, I think, until he, he could actually shoot the penalty and it was really cold raining a lot suddenly the fans just start singing very very loud and it felt like it was a way to kind of warm Iago Aspas up and it really helped so when Iago stepped up to take the penalty there was no option for him to miss it really and they've taken seven points out of nine they're out of the bottom three at the moment 
but Aspas will miss their trip to Atleti after picking up a fifth booking. I mean, is that a significant blow or, or maybe it's actually one of the matches that you'd want him to miss? <laughs> well, in one way, it's never convenient for Celta to miss Iago Aspas because he basically is Celta de Vigo. It's, it's as simple as that. But if there is one match that is better than anyone else for him to sit out, that is likely Atletico away. Uh, it's where they might have the least chance to get the points and he also needs a rest. It's after three months of not playing, then seven intense days like this. Uh, so in the long run, for Celta de Vigo, it might just be, be good for them that he actually gets to, to rest this one. Uh, now, for Real Sociedad, um, well, Mikel Oyarzabal won the penalty in this match. He, he scored in the previous two games as well, but he just simply can't do it all on his own. I, I wonder how much has the absence of uh, Asir Yarramendi got to do with uh, La Real's form at the moment? Well, I think it's it's down more to, to leadership that is missing in Real Sociedad. It's been missing all season for them. Um, I think Iramendi, they had bigger expectations on him in, in regards of taking over the leadership. And then we also have to remember that Oersabal is only 21 years old. There's a lot of expectations put on his shoulder that might be a little bit unfair, to be honest. So what Real Sociedad really need is, is a player to come in to, who really can take on that responsibility. OK, let's uh, briefly mention the Alaves-Leganes game on Sunday. It finished one. One, one. Uh, a Jonathan Gaieri penalty inside 20 minutes after he'd been fouled by Bustinza to give Alaves the lead and then well it took like, it's a while to get back into it but uh, Jonathan Silva's cross come shot went over Fernando Pacheco and into the net on 93 minutes don't think he intended it 1-1 one, one, the final score uh, if you're an Alaves fan Alex I mean it must have been gutting to concede such a late equaliser at home but they've really slipped off now uh, and what about their European hopes? Well, they're only one point of Valencia, so it definitely looks very difficult. And the thing we have to remember that Ben Alaves key this season is the attitude. So as soon as they start losing that, as soon as they start to feel like this European dream is slipping through their fingers and that they don't really have the chance at it anymore, that's when they're not going to have a chance at it anymore. Uh, I don't think they are really there yet, but I think they're closing into that point. Thanks, Alex. Well, let's round up the other two games on Match Day 31 in La Liga. Villarreal lost 2-1 away to Rabetti, so Giovanni Lo Celso scoring twice for the home side. The first an exquisite chip over keeper Sergio Asenjo, while Jose Ramino Furismore equalised straight after. Santi Casola had a chance to snatch a point, but he had his late penalty saved by Paul Lopez. Sevilla won 2-0 at Real Valladolid, both goals coming in the last six minutes. Substitute Roque Mesa with a wonderful solo effort and then Munir in stoppage time to make it three wins in four under Joaquin Caparros. Although the victory was overshadowed by the news that the 63-year-old has been diagnosed with chronic leukaemia, our thoughts are with him and his family. Here's the table after 31 games. Barcelona top on 73 points, Atletico second on 62, Real Madrid third on 60, then Hetafe fourth on 50 points, Sevilla fifth on 49, Valencia have 46 points. At the bottom, Huesca still prop up the table on 24 points, then Rayo a second bottom on 27, Villarreal third bottom on 30 points, Valladolid just outside the drop zone with the same number of points, Celta Levante and now Girona looking over their shoulders. OK, that's it for this La Liga Lowdown mini-pod. Don't forget to keep across our Twitter feed, Barcelona, Valencia and Villarreal all involved in European quarterfinal action this week. That's what La Liga Lowdown. We'll see you next time. This was a Radio Stakhanov production.